We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back. I feel like I was just—I feel like I was just with y'all last night. We are back for another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Tuesday, February fourteenth. Happy Valentine's Day to all of you. Uh, hope you guys are uh, having a great day. I'm a little nervous, guys. I'm going to be honest with you because I—my wife's not listening right now, so I can say this. I ordered a giant bouquet of flowers for my wife today. She loves flowers. It's not—I'm not doing that lame. Uh, just sudden flowers. My wife loves getting flowers, so. Um, gonna get her some flowers and I'm just hoping that they don't arrive during the show. Cause my dog's going to go nuts. Cause my wife's not home. So we'll, we'll see fingers crossed, but that's not what we're here to do today. We're going to talk about what's going on with Notre Dame, the offensive coordinator. And I've been able to talk, do some more, do some more digging Ryan and confirmed everything that, that we feared last night. And it's actually worse. And some of it we really can't get into, but it's just it, it, it's a it's a bad look all around. I'm going to let Ryan kind of share his opinion on things because he couldn't do it last night. But after that, we're going to start talking about where Notre Dame goes from here, because I don't want to be that site that just rants and raves and says everything is bad and burn it all down. We're not going to do that. We will be pissed. We'll talk about it. We'll rip the staff and the administration, whoever needs to be ripped when things deserve it. But we also want to be proactive and talk about, okay, where do they go from here? So we'll talk a little bit about that today after this, after Ryan's able to kind of share his thoughts. But I wanted to uh, I wanted to give him a chance to just kind of share his feelings because, you know, Ryan, I know I know you're I know you're frustrated, man. So, you know what? I mean, when when I told you last night what was happening and everything going on and share with you the intel I had, just let the people know how you feel about all this, man. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our next partner is Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. I gave AGI a try because I wanted better gut health, sustained energy, immune support system, but I hate taking pills. And I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great, which is helping me kick my sugar addiction. In the morning before I get to work, I like getting something healthy in my body. And with AG1, I'm giving my body the nutrition it craves. It's very important for me to get my day started off with something healthy. But with my schedule, it's hard to prepare healthy meals. AG1 is a very quick way to pack my body with all that I need to jumpstart my day in a very healthy way. Covering my nutritional basis for the day literally couldn't be easier, which is why I trust Athletic Greens. I just mix one small scoop of AG1 with water and drink it first thing every morning. Done. I also like that it costs less than $3 a day. It's pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with the highest quality source ingredients. Win-win. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash irish. That's athleticgreens.com slash irish. Check it out. I mean, I think the word I used last night when we talked about it, Brian, was demoralized. Like, that's how I felt, man. I mean, it really... It was, I remember when we first talked about it last night, about what was going on. I honestly didn't have really words for it, man. I was just, I was in one of those moods where I'm just like, this stinks. I need to just sit back and just collect all my thoughts, put a couple thoughts out there on the message board at boards.irishbreakdown.com and on Twitter. And then I'm just like, I'm done for the night, man. Like, I don't need to talk about this. I don't know how to adequately portray my emotions during that. So I, I honestly was hoping that I was going to wake up this morning in like a more in a better mood, you know, like, yeah. oh, OK, ready you to know, maybe, conquer the day. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I overreacted a little bit last night. Right. I mean, I woke up and I felt exactly the same, maybe worse <laughs> about everything, you know, that I talked to my wife, Caitlin, about it this morning. I'm just like, especially hearing it out loud is even worse, in my opinion. I mean, so <laughs> where do we begin? I mean, first and foremost, I do believe that Eddie Ludwig was a great Great candidate for the job, right? I mean, we talk about that. So, yes, there were some emotions on my part because he was one of the guys that me and you, Brian, we looked at in the beginning. We're like, that guy makes a lot of sense for what Notre Dame needs, right? He's a guy that's been in the Midwest at Wisconsin at one point, right? He's a guy that's been successful at every stop he's been at. 36 points per game two years ago at Utah, 38 over 38 points per game this past year, back-to-back Pac-12 championships, a seasoned vet, a guy that believes to run the football, it made a lot of sense, right? So when you hear that the coaching staff had zeroed in and it seemed like it was like a foregone conclusion a couple days ago that like, unless barring something crazy happens, that he's going to be the offense coordinator at Notre Dame more than likely, right? Like that's that's the vibe that it felt like. Obviously, Penn was not the paper. 
decision had not been fully made, but that's what it felt like. And then that happens last night where you're like, Marcus Freeman and the staff clearly saw Andy Ludwig as their guy, right? Like that was their guy. That was the guy that they honed in on, they zeroed in on. That was the guy that they thought could take them to the next level offensively. And if that if we were in a situation where Andy Ludwig's like, you know what? I've been at Utah. I love it in Salt Lake City, whatever it is, right? Like I like I want to stay there. I love the coaching staff. If that was the whole reasoning for not leaving, I would have been like, okay, that stinks. But at least it's not Marcus Freeman's fault, right? At least it's not the the staff's fault. At least it's not the administration's fault. All that good stuff. Then you find out that it's money driven, right? The whole buyout issue. And I hate it so much because now I'm seeing on Twitter all over the place, Notre Dame is a poverty program. Notre Dame needs the Big Ten money. I'm like, that is so stupid. It's so dumb. Notre Dame has never and will never be short on cash if they choose to use it, right? They'll never be short on cash. This was a failure by the administration, in my opinion, to not support your coach because this wasn't like this buyout wasn't a hidden fact behind the scenes, right? Like you knew that this was going to be a, a conversation that you had to happen, that to have, and that you had to figure out if this was your guy. It, it wasn't like this just came up and bit you last minute. Like, oh man, he has a buyout. Wow, who would have thought that he would have a buyout, right? They knew this. And this was a failure for the administration not to back up their coach, not to back up their staff, because we've talked about it a ton. Notre Dame doesn't play the NIL game, right? The, the the improper benefit game. And I'm all for that, man. I'm all for it. But if you're not going to allocate money in those ways, you have to allocate money to help the program in other facets. And for whatever reason, you felt that the, the keeping of the buck was more important than helping to take the program to the next level. That's what they told me with this type of move. So now I'm looking at Marcus Freeman. I'm like, Brian, I mean, I put it on Twitter last night. I truly believe it. It, it, is is there going to be enough backing to see how good Marcus Freeman could really be at Notre Dame? Because we know that the the NIL battle from the recruiting side is going to cost you to lose some battles. It's going to happen, right? There's going to be some kids that just want the NIL money. It's going to happen that way. Fine. If you're not going to win that battle then, but you you better win the development battle. You better get guys in there that can take those you know, high upside Bubakar Traoris and Armel Mookums and get them to the next level, to get those quarterbacks to the next level, to get your team to the next level. Because that's the only way that you're going to push for championships. And I think people miss the point of this a little bit because I saw it on the message board this morning. I saw it on Twitter last night and this morning as well. People think that my criticism or others' criticism is saying no other offensive coordinator was out there, right? It was just... Andy Ludwig. And that's not the case, folks. Notre, and we'll talk about some guys today where if Notre Dame still has a chance to get a really good offense coordinator, that's not the point. The point is that there's a failure here from a cohesive perspective between the staff and the administration. What are the long-term goals? How are you going to get there? This needs to be a cohesive plan in place. There was not a cohesive plan here. There was obviously a mis, mis, inter, mis, uh, misinformation from one way to the other, there was a break in the comp- in the communication. Can Notre Dame still get an offense coordinator? Yes, obviously. Can they still get a really good offense coordinator? Yes, hundred percent. But the failure is is that you showed your hands last night. If you are the Notre that the Notre Dame administration does not fully back what the coaching staff needs to be successful in their minds, right? So as long as that is a fact, 
I think there's a cap on this program. I do. Could they win one? Could they win a national championship still? It's possible. But we're, it's Notre Dame. It's the University of Notre Dame. You're about sustainability. You're about competing year in, year out. You're about being the, trying to get back to that prominence. And you're making it very hard on your coaching staff. So I was just upset, man. I'm distraught about it. Be very honest. I felt defeated about it. Not just because Andy, I liked Andy Ludwig. Not just because of that. Because I feel like there's not enough backing for the coaches that for the coaching staff. I feel like there's not enough backing for Marcus Freeman. You need to put the resources around him in order to be successful. He found what a resource that he thinks could put them to the next level in Andy Ludwig. And money was the answer. Money was more important than getting Notre Dame back to that level. So I was very upset, man, as you can hear, I'm sure. I'm going to make you more upset. Don't do so it. I, fi- I finally just got an okay from some of my sources to kind of share some things I've learned over the last 12, not even 12 hours, because this was after our show last night and this morning. I've talked to several people, and I'm hearing a consistent thing from them. Part of the issue was, there's two issues. The people responsible for getting his contract to know what the details were got his old contract with a $450,000 buyout. And and it wasn't until later that they got the $2.8 million number. They weren't willing. They tried to negotiate it down. And... Utah wouldn't budge, nor should they. And it came down to they weren't willing to pay the money. It gets worse. Oh, no. I was told this by a couple different people. Part of the issue is Jack and and, and whoever gives Jack this information wasn't high on Andy Ludwig. So he was unwilling to support the buyout because of that. He wasn't willing to support the head football coach because he didn't think that this was a coach worth spending that money on. So remember what the conversation you and I had recently about Jerry Jones Yeah, and people that aren't football people need to stop trying to be football people. That makes it even worse to me. It's... And I've been, Ryan, I've been told this by multiple people who have given me intel over the years that has been very close and very accurate in their intel. They're not flamethrowers. They're not, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. Sure. And... If this information is accurate, and I believe it to be, it's even worse. Because now you are absolutely, completely unwilling to support your football coach. To the point where you're going to try to manipulate who's on staff. And so, I'm just going to say it right now. As long as Jack Swarbrick and Ron Paulus are in positions of authority, this football team will not win a championship unless the football coaches can can 100% overcome them they're gonna have to win in spite of them yeah and that's the reality of it well brian it's just so frustrating man because there's so much potential for this program and so much upside 
And I feel bad for Marcus Freeman right now, man. Yeah. I really do. I feel bad for him because you people have seen it already, right? I mean, we'll talk about the nine and four at times and how, you know, we wish it would have been better and fear one, all that great stuff. You know that Marcus Freeman is an incredibly charismatic person. You know he's a grinder, right? You know that he has something in him where he wants to be great. You know it's there. And he takes this job because he knows that it's to that point. But instead of letting him have the resources to try to reach that pinnacle, to reach that peak, there is, for whatever reason, a there's an arrogance to not trust in the person that you put in charge of the program to take it to that next level. You're not giving him the resources to be successful. So why are we, why, why, why? It's just so disheartening. It really is. I mean, there's no other way I can phrase it, man. Like I look at this and I'm just like, this was a failure on so many different accounts. And again, this isn't the end of the world. I'm not saying it's the end of the world because people, I think, take this a little too far where they say like, oh, you're being such a Debbie Downer. You're this, you're that. This is just frustration. As a person who supports this program, not only as a just a journalist and on the media side of things, right? I grew up loving this program and have since I could, pers- you know, since I, I can't remember a time where I wasn't a Notre Dame fan. Can't remember it, right? And I came after the golden era of Notre Dame football I was born in 1991 uh, 90s were the pretty much the best that I've seen of Notre Dame football up to the you know last couple years of Brian Kelly you know winning 10 plus games a year right and if you're trying to elicit change this isn't going to allow it because we talked about it folks right I'm the recruiting guy right Notre Dame's not going to give out those five-figure contracts, those six-figure contracts. Sometimes six figures are what some of these players are getting on the NIL well, NIL side of things, right? And that's fine. That's all well and good. And I, I support that, actually. But if you're not going to put the money into that avenue to help your program, then you have to put it somewhere. Where is your advantage? You have now have looked in the face of two different coordinators that we know have interviewed for the head coaching job at Notre Dame. We know that Kansas State's offensive coordinator, Colin Klein, is interviewed. He was not formally offered the deal, obviously, but that's Kansas State, right? Then you have your guy in Andy Ludwig, University of Utah, offensive coordinator. Kansas State in Utah, Notre Dame. A little bit of a difference there, right? And for whatever reason, you're staring at those programs in the face and you balked. You balked to the University of Utah. You balked to them. $2.8 million. I get it. It's a lot of money. It's not a lot of money for Notre Dame, though. It's a lot of money for me. It's not a lot of money for everybody else out there listening for the most part, right? $2.8 million for Notre Dame is not a lot. I mean, we can talk about the TV contracts they do. We can talk about the ticket sales. We can talk about the revenue and how much they're clearing each and every year from a profit perspective. Every single year. And instead of helping to better the program, move it forward, and ultimately getting more money down the line when it's a more successful program, you're choosing to save the buck now and to run the program from the higher-ups the way that you want to run the program, not the way that Coach Freeman wants to run the program. Because I'll tell you, folks, I guarantee this, and this is not any intel. 
It's just my pulse and my opinion. I guarantee from everything that we've been made aware of as far as how this has all gone down, I guarantee the coaching staff's frustrated. Guarantee Marcus Freeman's frustrated. Guarantee it. I haven't talked to I haven't talked to Marcus. I'm just making an assumption. But who wouldn't be? Imagine you're in a position of taking a once prominent program back to the top and you have a clear vision of how to get there. And when you agreed to, hey, this is how we need to get here, when you had your formal interview to get the head coaching job at the University of Notre Dame, you agree with it, right? Let's shake hands. Awesome. Let's get to the mountaintop. Let's get back there. And then when you're trying to assert that plan and you have the opportunity to make a splash and to make a great hire, the administration says, nope, it's not our guy. Doesn't make sense for us, right? Money doesn't make sense. We made a mistake, so now you have to suffer. It's not fair. It's not fair. And I feel like this is a venting session right now, but I feel like all of us need a venting session. Because at the end of the day, we're going to talk in this podcast about some other great offensive coordinator candidates. And it's going to be great, right? We're going to talk about some guys today that I really like. Guys that I think could push the program to the next level. I do not believe that Andy Ludwig was the only offensive coordinator candidate out there that can get you to the next level. I don't believe that. But what I do believe is, is that money should not stop the University of Notre Dame from getting to the next level, from getting back. That should not stop them. I don't want to see this Big Ten money. I don't want to see this poverty program stuff. We know what the brand that Notre Dame is. We're all Notre Dame fans here, right? We all know what the brand that they have. Money's not an issue at Notre Dame. It's not an issue. It's never been an issue. And instead of trying to fight back to that prominence and showing that you were open to take to helping this young coach who has a lot of dreams and a lot of expectations for himself, for his players, for his coaches around him, instead of trying to get it to that next level and helping him, you are jeopardizing his vision. You are stunting his growth. You are putting a cap on the ceiling for how good Notre Dame can be. You are telling me that 10 wins is good enough. You're telling me that 11 is good enough. You're telling me that fighting for a playoff spot but not being good enough to win a national championship is is good enough. That's what you're saying. Whether you want to admit it or not, what the administration is doing right now is putting a cap on how good this program can be. It is. And it's frustrating, it's disheartening, it's, I don't get it. I don't get it. I I can't fathom it. I can't fathom it. It just, it's frustrating, man. And last night, I didn't have words. I didn't have words. This morning, I was frustrated. I got some words before the show. Because, you know, thinking about it all day. What are the emotions? And then Brian comes on here and tells me those last bits of information. And that just sets me over the top, man. That just sets, I think, both of us over the top. Because we're already frustrated. We're already frustrated. Look, guys, I've I've never seen a national championship in Notre Dame. I've never seen one. But I still understand the expectations here, right? I grew up off of the stories of what made Notre Dame great. And all the recruits out there and all the fans that are my age or younger – We're living off of 
what was happening in the golden era before we were even born. And instead of fighting to get back to that prominence, because I hate to tell you, and I agree, I believe this a billion percent, over a hundred percent. I believe this wholeheartedly. If Notre Dame wanted to, they could get back. They could get back. I believe that. With Marcus Freeman in place, with the grinders that I think are on this coaching staff from a recruiting perspective, with what I think Marcus Freeman can accomplish and what his vision is, if there is a backing behind him, enough resources in place, he can get there, in my opinion. He can. But for whatever reason, not everybody's on the same page. And it's counterproductive. It stunts growth. It, put caps on, it puts caps on a program. So I fully let everybody out there, and I put this on the board last night, vent today. Vent last night, vent today, and then we'll start having a more you know calmed conversation on what the next step is. Because the show will go on. There will be a next step. We'll talk about a lot of great candidates. Awesome. We'll talk about it. But at the end of the day, you're allowed to be frustrated about this. You're allowed to be frustrated because it's not about Andy Ludwig. It's not about Andy Ludwig. I loved it. I loved Andy, Andy Ludwig as, as, a, as a, a target, as a candidate for the offense coordinator job. Everybody knows that. I know a lot of people did as well. I know some people, though, that weren't incredibly inspired by Andy Ludwig, and that's fine. We have a difference of opinion, right? But at the end of the day, the reason that you didn't have Andy Ludwig was not a difference of opinion. It wasn't about it wasn't a good fit. It wasn't about Andy just wanted to stay in Utah. It wasn't about it wasn't a clear fit in the room, in the quarterback you know, con- conversation. Like none of that stuff was the thing that stopped Andy Ludwig from coming to Notre Dame. It was stuff behind the scenes. It was miscommunication. It was money. It was a direction that you didn't want to go in. How am I supposed to feel about that? Am I supposed to feel like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah, no, it's okay. Next next step. No, you're allowed to be frustrated. Be frustrated, man. Stop. Well, don't let anybody tell you you can't be frustrated. You're allowed to be frustrated on this, right? Because I, I think Marcus Freeman's frustrated. I think that uh, the recruits are going to be frustrated. I think everyone's going to be frustrated with this. Can they recover? Sure. You can recover. You can still get a good offense coordinator. But at the end of the day, you put yourself a little behind the eight ball. So I see a lot of people want to vent. There's a lot of super chats in here. So let's start bring us the super chats, man. Let's have this about us, right? Everybody needs a good venting session, especially on Valentine's Day, I guess. I don't know. That sounds funny to me, but yeah. Let's do, let's do some uh let's do some super chats, man. Let's let everybody vent in here and then we'll get into some offense coordinator hires. Don't worry about that, my friends. We had a nice super chat from Thistlemore Pottery. Thank you so much for the super chat. Whose decision was this? Was it Jack's, Father Jenkins? Not only is it infuriating, another good word, it's an absolute embarrassment to let everyone in the country know who your guy is and then not pay what you knew you have to. Pathetic. Thanks, IB. And I I mean, I think you hit on a few key notes here, right? I mean, if you guys heard Brian in the beginning that just kind of filled everything in. So this was a issue between... There was miscommunication originally, or misevaluation, misinformation, however you want to phrase it, about what the buyout was, right? That, that was kind of the key part there. They thought it was the original contract, 450000 but obviously it's the 2.8 or whatever it is in that ballpark of the buyouts. So Notre Dame was trying to talk that number down to make it a more reasonable number. Utah didn't budge, and Utah shouldn't budge. 
They shouldn't. If I am, if I'm a coach at Utah or I'm a decision maker at Utah or I'm an administration at Utah, you want to steal my offense coordinator who just helped us average 38 points a game and won a Pac-12 championship with? You want to steal him? You're paying every bit of that money, man. Are you kidding me? Seriously. Seriously. They should they should have stuck hard to their to their to their to their number. They should have. And they did. And then they're not Notre Dame's not willing to go to that next level. And apparently there was no even further negotiation about the number because there were some people behind the scenes that Andy Logan wasn't their guy. Wasn't their guy. I mean, it's just it's again, it's just a complete failure to support your head coach and the program. It's just a complete failure, right? And I agree completely with you, Phil Smore Pottery. It's embarrassing, not only from the simple frustration of a Notre Dame fan. That's frustrating enough. They had their guy, and they didn't have the financial, or they didn't have the backing. I'll just leave it at the backing to get your guy. That's frustrating enough. It's also very frustrating because now everyone and their mother knows out there that Andy Ludwig was your guy, and you couldn't get him. You got outbid by Utah, basically. I mean, that's basically what it comes down to, right? It's not an actual bidding. It's not like Utah's like, I'll give you this money. Notre Dame, I'll raise that. I'll raise that here. Give me more. Give me more. $10 here. $10. Like, that's not the situation. But at the end of the day, Utah held firm to a number, and Notre Dame, instead of saying, ah, 2.8 is nothing to us, which it's not, they said, nah, we're not playing that game. We're good. We're good. And you drop out. So you made it look not only that you don't have your coaches back. That's number one talked about that not only did you lose out on a really good offense coordinator candidate in my opinion but you also showed face to the rest of the country to all of college football that you're not willing to go to the extra mile that's what you showed you did all that you showed that you wanted Andy Ludwig he was at the hockey game we've known for days that that was their guy that's who they wanted and at the end of the day you couldn't outbid Utah Utah, University of Utah, good program. Back-to-back 12 school championships. I'm not throwing shade on Utah, but you're Notre Dame. <laughs> it's your brand. It shouldn't be a conversation we're having, but we're still having it. Ah, man, I never thought that money would be this big of a thing at Notre Dame because you have it. You're not a poverty program. You don't need the Big Ten money, all the stupid stuff I'm seeing on Twitter. But you're not helping your case. People see this stuff. And whether we want to admit it or not, outside perception matters. It matters. Because you know who else is looking? The recruits, the fans, the people that support you on a day-to-day basis. They all see this stuff. I'm sorry I'm frustrated. I'm sorry. I'm going to lower my tone here in a second because I am super frustrated. I think you all know that I'm pretty level-headed for the most part. But, man, I am just (laughs) – man, last night was just a bad night, fellas. and, And, ladies, sorry. I didn't mean that. For everyone out there, it's just so frustrating. So I'm, I'm going to take it back a couple notches here. Trust me, I'm going to keep it, take it back a couple notches because I'm a pretty level held guy for the most part. Except my wife would probably disagree with that, but you know, whatever. Love you all. So, but this more. Thank you for the super chat. Thank you for letting me to continue to voice my frustrations. I really do appreciate y'all, man. I really do. Let's go to Jimmy McGill. Jimmy says, first choice, fix it with Ludwig. Second, fine experienced offense coordinator. Would Sharon Moore be intriguing or even an option? Who is your radar now besides 
Parker. And Jimmy, I, I really want to thank you for the super chat a ton. We're, trust me, the rest of the show, as soon as Brian gets back, we're going to talk about some of the candidates because me and Brian were kind of talking talking it out this morning. Well, maybe we talked about it for a few mo- few weeks, but it does open an interesting possibility for offensive coordinator in the sense that you do not have an offensive line coach and you do not have an offensive coordinator quarterback coach right now. So before we were talking about how the offensive coordinator could fit at Notre Dame and it had to be a quarterback coach, right? Because you had to replace the quarterback coach and offensive coordinator with one person. So unless you were going to re- retool the staff a little bit and you know move around some guys, it was ultimately going to be a quarterback coach that had to be the offensive coordinator. Now that you don't have Harry Heastand, you do have some different options. I know you mentioned Sharon Moore, who's the University of Michigan offensive coordinator. They've won back-to-back Joe Moore Award winners, obviously, of the offensive line. He's a tremendous coach. But you really have the opportunity now. It doesn't have to necessarily just be a offensive coordinator who has a quarterback coaching background. It can be an offensive line coach, for instance. Is that the best way to go? We'll talk about it because we did have some candidates that we're going to talk about that have quarterback coaching backgrounds. We have some that are, have offensive line, excuse me, coaching backgrounds. We do not have Sharon, Sharon Moore, excuse me, as one of the people that we're going to talk about today because. It's just a really big jump, right? I think Sharon Moore is a fantastic offensive line coach. Fantastic. I mean, the proof's in the pudding, right? Like, you look at his resume and you're like, incredible job he's done at Michigan the last two years. But he's never called an offense, right? So it's tough, especially transitioning and continuing, you know, the the development of offensive line. What still is O-line new at Notre Dame, it's a lot to also have to be a first-time offensive coordinator. So we'll talk about some of those names and we'll also talk about Jared Parker. We will, because Jared Parker is a, is a real, he's a real candidate. He is, but Jimmy, thank you for the super chat. Make sure to tune into the rest of the show. Cause we will for sure get into a lot of candidates here. No doubt about it. We had another super chat from Joe Papiti. Thank you for the super chat, Joe. I was with you guys deep into the night. Not me, Joe. Woke up angry. Just kidding. Woke up angry. I just think that what Marcus Freeman was told was was that this is our program. You just stand on the sidelines and coach. We will tell you who to hire. I mean, and Joe, that's how it feels right now. Like you, you, you hit it spot on. That's how it feels. That's not how it should be. And I guarantee that wasn't the conversation that, that Marcus Freeman has had and especially had when he first got the job. Offensive head coaches need to have the opportunity to go their direction to put their imprint on this program. So when Marcus Freeman's interviewing for the head, job, head coaching job at Notre Dame, I'm sure he didn't sit in the background. It's like, no, you tell me what to do. I'm just going to coach. I'll do with the best with what you give me. No, that's not the conversation that happens in those types of situations. That's never the job. That's never the conversation that happens. He has a plan. He puts his plan down and says, this is what I need. This is how I'm going to get there. These are my end goals. And Notre Dame, either signs off on it and says, fantastic, we love it, you're our guy. Or they say, nope, sorry, you're not the right guy for this job. Obviously, and this is, not again, this isn't intel. This is just how those things work. Marcus Freeman clearly had an understanding that, hey, man, I can get the, I can get here with this program. This program believes in me. And But I agree with you, Joe. This latest action tells me the complete opposite. You can't tell me you back Marcus Freeman. You can't tell me you have his full back backing. You can't tell me that. You can't. Because you just didn't. You literally just did not have his back in this past situation. So that's certainly how it feels. 
I like how you phrase it. Marcus Freeman was told that you that this is our program, not not our as in everyone's administration's program. You just stand on the sideline and coach. We will tell you what who to hire. I'd be lying if I said that that's not how it felt right now. That's how it feels. And you have a young, dynamic head coach who's charismatic and people believe in. I talk to recruits every day, even ones that don't choose Notre Dame, believe in believe in Marcus Freeman. Maybe Notre Dame wasn't a great fit for them as student athletes, but everyone believes in Marcus Freeman, except for the administration. It's where we are. But thank you so much for the super chat, Joe. I completely understand it, man. Frustration to say the least. From Charlie Weiss's last belt loop. What's up, Charlie? Charlie, you just got married this past weekend, right? Congratulations again. Coach, sorry for last night. Ryan, good seeing you. Good seeing you, sir. And uh, seriously, I want to thank everybody real quick. Because I know I'm a little sarcastic at times. I know I'm tough to deal with at times. Trust me. Or my wife tells me every day. I'm a little tough to deal with sometimes. But I appreciate you all. Because I didn't get a chance to vet yet. I tried vet my wife this morning. She's just like, okay, honey. This sounds good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that stinks. Yeah, sure. You all let me vent. We let you vent. And we love this program. Right? So thank you all. Thank you all. Seriously. No, no shade, no BS. Thank you, Charlie. Thank everybody out there for letting us all get us all over chess because it needs to be said. A lot of this needs to be said. From Sean Kelly, Super Chat. Sean, thank you so much. Why would they not want a free coach? I mean, it just makes no sense. They got could get $2.8 million in donations, basically making it free. It makes no sense. And Sean, that's one of the big frustrations of the whole situation, man. That's one of the big frustrations. People say like, oh, 2.8 is a lot of money. Yeah, you're right. $2.8 million is a lot of money. It's a lot. But for Notre Dame, it's not. It's not. They could have made this happen. They could have made it. Whether it's from the program or it's from donors or whatever, man. They could have made it happen. Just point blank, period. Go look at all the revenue that they make. All the memorabilia they sell. All the... All the ticket prices, all that type of stuff. What a game day get, gets them a revenue. Like it's it's nuts, man. It's nuts. They could have made it happen. Money's not the <laughs> money's just an excuse for not letting it happen. It's just an excuse. It's not the actual reason. It's not that two point eight was too much money for you. Two point eight wasn't too much money for you. You just didn't want to. Pay, you just want to spend it. That's like me having five bucks in my pocket, and I'm just like, nah, I don't want to give you the five bucks, even though I can easily afford it right it's just ridiculous man it's ridiculous but thank you for the super chat sean brian we're venting man i I hear i'm here i'm i'm I'm, as i'm I'm on the phone with some different people and and talking to sources about kind of where things stand and all that and i'm watching people like preach ryan vent ryan (laughs) amen ryan so i don't know what you said but i have to fire man I had to take it back, man. I, at one point, I, I felt like I was almost shouting. I'm like, guys, I'm going to take it back. You yeah. know, I, I, they were like, no, you keep going, man. You I keep going. So. <laughs> I love the emotion. Yeah. Oh, so frustrating, man. So it's we'll, we'll finish. Uh, Ryan, if you don't mind, we'll kind of save yeah. the rest of these super chats for the mailbag part. I appreciate you getting yes. to those. But I did want us to kind of get to sort of a what's next. So uh, is that? let me get that super chat down from here. Let's see here. All right. So, I mean, Ryan, we, do you have more you want to say? I don't want to. I don't want to cut off your your rant because I know you're you're on a roll, and I'm and I'm I'm about that. I told you earlier, yeah. I'd give you your chance to say what you needed to say. 
Nah, man. We, I mean, we're just we're just reemphasizing some points through the super chats, right? Because I think there's a lot of frustration aspects to it. It's not just the simple fact of not having your coaches back. It's also some of the frustration of how this happened, where this came from, where it's going forward. Like, there's just right. a lot of frustrating aspects to it. So, oh, and, I mean, and, yeah. and just the the the, as, the aspect about it of the the position you've put your head coach in and the position you've put the next offensive coordinator in because whoever they hire is gonna look like well this was your your runner up this was your the guy you had to settle on this is he's no Andy Ludwig and it's an unfair to to, to put to do it the way that they did it just puts your your head coach and your whoever the replacement is in such a bad light. And that's the, that's the, and you'll never hear Marcus Freeman say that, you know, one thing I've learned about Marcus Freeman covering him the last two years, even as a defensive coordinator, dude does not make excuses. It's not, well, this is why this is what happened. And it's not our fault. I mean, we've talked about it before. He had all the excuses in the world this year to, to blame why they weren't as good as they should have been and never did it, you know, and, and that's just not who he is, but it, it you put him in a terrible spot here as an institution and you put whoever the replacement is, is in the the pressure is going to be on that guy to have to come out immediately and just rip people up is going to be tough. And that's the frustrating thing is, is, and it's so unnecessary. Like, you know, I got a text from someone who I tremendously respect and he was like, you can't pay two plus million dollars for a buyout. I was like, you know, fair. But the thing is, is, but if that's what you need to do though, to win, then that's what you do. You know, I hope one lesson that Notre Dame gets out of this is is they better change how they negotiate contracts. Because if they don't have similarly built-in big buyouts, then you're not doing this thing correctly, well, in my opinion. Brian, one thing that we were talking about a little bit, and it was off of someone's super chat, which I – when a coach sits down for a head coaching interview, what do they do? They lay out a plan, right? This is the goal. This is how I'm going to get here. This is what I need in support and resources around me to get to that. And when you sign off on a head coach, they say, yes, we can do that for you. Let's do that together, right? From here on out, if I'm Marcus Freeman and the administration tells me, we have your back. No, you don't. (laughs) What do you mean you have my back? You literally don't have my back. You can't tell me that right now. You can't tell me that. And that's the message you're sending to all your kids. You're not worth it. You're not worth us paying this buyout for us to give you the best possible coach we can get. And and Notre Dame has this, and they've always had this. The reason they've never paid coaches is it's this stigma of we don't want to, you know, pay all this money for a football coach because we want to be considered an academic institution and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, hey, then, then just get rid of football. If you just want to be an academic institution, just get rid of football. But if you're going to have football, you're going to tell me you're if you could if you could go out and hire the best professor in the country wanted to come to Notre Dame, but you had to meet this salary demand. You're telling me you're not going to make it. Well, probably they would, but you know what they would do? They would, you know, who's going to help pay for it? The football program. With the fact that eighty thousand people show up and have a TV deal and and a, a apparel deal and all that other kind of stuff. And, and, you know, you, you can't tell me, Hey, we're, we're not going to pay top dollar for coaches, but then tell me you're student athlete driven, you're student driven. 
because the reason you're an excellent academic institution is because you've hired the best people in that you believe that you can get that are out there to, to guide the academic process at Notre Dame, right? You don't have a bunch of mediocre teachers at Notre Dame and that's how you became what you became. You went out and got the best. Why does it require you to not do that for the football program? If you're student driven, why would you not be willing to why would you not be willing to pay top dollar to get the guy that your head football coach wants? And 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 knowing number one, just from a business standpoint, if he's as good as your head coach thinks, then you're gonna get your return on your investment, right? You got a big you got a your own buyout that you got from Tommy Reese. You're paying Marcus Freeman less than you paid Brian Kelly. You're you know, you 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 might get some more buyouts from current coaches on the staff this offseason who knows the the point the fact of the matter is though is even without that i know you could have raised the money i I know you could have there's no question about it but the the reality is they they have this weird view of well we're not gonna we're not gonna pay what georgia pays or alabama pays for coaches why what does that have to do with your your mission as a school if anything you paying top dollar for those people supports your mission if something that we're going to do is going to benefit our student athletes, then it is worth it. Yeah, it is worth it. And people saying, "Well, is this normal?" Somebody says, "Is this normal though?" It doesn't matter. You're Notre Dame. If this is what you need to do to become the, the become that program, then that's what you do. That's the point. If you say it's about the student athletes, and this is what. They they need the best coach. Do you think the business department is is what it is? The the business program, right? The masters, the Mendoza program, is as good as it is because they went and and pinched pennies to get you know good. But we're not willing to pay top dollar for the best professors out there. That would surprise me if that was true. That would yeah. surprise me if that was true. Right? And and so why not do that for football, Ryan? Well, I'm saying. If if these kids came here because they want to play football, they're going to class, they're doing all their, those things they need to do, but they want to be professional football players. They want to be champions, and we say that we believe in that. So why yeah. would I not be willing to pony up to make sure that I'm giving you guys? Because what's the the best that you can get? Because what's the message that you're sending to those players? There's a there's a there's a cap on what yeah. we're willing to do to to make you better. And if there's a cap on that, there's a cap on how good you can be as a program, right? right. So you're telling me. That what you've been doing is good enough. Good enough is good enough. And it rarely ever is. And it's very frustrating because I almost wish they would have gotten a different head coach that wouldn't put so much confidence into the fan base and into me. Because I look at Marcus Freeman and say, I think that guy can do great things because he's different. He's different than what Notre Dame's had. And instead of steering into that and backing that up, you said, no, we're going to just put some handcuffs on you. And we're just right. gonna we're gonna keep a cap on you, and it's not fair, right. man. It's not fair. And it's one of those things, Ryan, where if you say you're going to be about the students, right? The reality is, is at a place like Notre Dame, where kids do have to have the you know, Thomas Harper said it in his press conference, like, yeah, you have to go to class here. It, my, my thing is, if if you're going to demand all these things from them away from the football field, the community service, the academics, the all those different things, which I'm, I support, by the way, then you definitely need to make sure 
that you're in a situation where you're doing what it takes to make sure that when they're on the field, they've got the best of what they can have, of what's out there, of what's willing to come. You know, it just it's just one of those things where um I just I can't get by I can't get behind the excuses that people are giving. I can't. I can't get behind it because that's all they are is excuses. And 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 it's not even just about what people need to understand. It's not even just about the fact that they're not willing to pay. It's the way they went about it. That's the problem. And the message that they're sending, that is the problem. Those are the things that I can't get behind because optics do matter. And what is the message you just gave your football team? We're not going to support you. We're not. We're going to tell you we are, but we're not. And that's what it comes down to. And perception matters. It matters. And people are going to push back at that at times, but it 100% matters. You don't think that it matters to these players that are part of the Notre Dame program on what is going on right now with the Andy Ludwig situation? They're hearing all this stuff, too. They're hearing all of it, why it didn't happen. They're hearing that he's staying at Utah because Notre Dame didn't want to make that move. They're hearing that. So if I'm a 2023 kid who just came in here in the spring, after being, after being, or sorry, in the winter for the spring, that was told by this staff that we want to win a national championship and we're going to do whatever it takes to get there. Well, no, you're not. You're not going to do whatever it takes to get there. You just proved that. You just proved it. How is anyone, and from a player perspective, from a fan perspective, how are they supposed to buy in that the program is legitimately hungry and will do whatever it takes to win? Well, not whatever it takes, but will go the extra mile to help get back to prominence and get this program back to a historical level. What I, I just think it's so counterproductive, man. I just don't know where where is the investment coming to, into? Like, what are they investing in? They're not investing in their coach's vision. They're not investing in their players. Where's the investment going to? I don't know where it's going to. Yeah, where's all that money going to? Yeah, exactly. Where, where's, where's it going, going to? Where's it going? Is it going into the training? Is it going right. into recruiting? Is it going into coaching? I don't know where it's going. Where's it going? Because you could say, well, hey, they, they built the new – they upgraded the stadium. They built a new indoor facility. But here's the thing. That's all money you went and raised to build those new projects. That's not money that's coming from what the players are doing, right? Yes. And and that's the thing is like, yeah, it just it just it's the same thing, Ryan, is you're not doing what you need to do. I, I we'll, we'll we'll have plenty to talk about this. <laughs> yes. I do want to kind of get into where you go from here. The one thing I, as I said earlier, the one thing I've learned about Marcus Freeman, Marcus Freeman is not a, there's two things I can say I learned about Marcus Freeman over the last two years, going back to, you know, when I first started breaking him down in Cincinnati and then what he did at Notre Dame. He doesn't make excuses and he had, he, he, this is a guy that's kind of been on a career path that normal most coaches don't go on because he's not someone who just takes things lying down. And I don't even mean that in a negative way. It's just like, look, there's nothing you're going to do. That's going to keep me from where I'm going to get to. That's Marcus Freeman's mentality. If y'all want a bright spot today, that's it. 
It's that. He's going to make mistakes. He's still learning on the job. But the reality is this. He's going to fight. He's going to fight for these kids. He's going to fight for the program. He's going to do things he believes will help them win. That's why he went after Andy Ludwig. And that's what he's going to do next. And so whatever that is, whether that's bringing in an outside candidate at offensive coordinator that he still has faith in, because as we said at the beginning, Ryan, and this is where the optics don't matter. We, remember when he gave a list of like eight dudes? We were pretty much like, if you get any dude off this list, uh, we're happy. We feel good about it. But the optics have changed that to a degree. Now, you can still go get a really good offensive coordinator that can take this program to the next level. No doubt. But the way you've gone about this now, the optics have put a very sour taste in people's mouth. So if you go get another coach off that list, and there are some coaches still under consideration that were on that original list that you and I put out, and, and I can say this with in good faith now, I've been given the okay to say this, that list wasn't one we just came up with out of thin air. And I think you all catch my drift on that one, right? That wasn't me and Ryan being like, well, who do we like? There was some of that. And we put that list together, but then it got reformed a little bit by some things we were able to get from sources. And like Andy Ludwig was on that list and other guys were on that list. And this is kind of where they're at. So the school may not support Marcus Freeman the way they need to, but Marcus Freeman's not going to stop fighting. That's the reality of it. Yep. And so... He has got he 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 has already look as of last night. I talked to a source last night that was like he's already moving on. Not that he didn't want Ludwig, and it's but it's just like that's what I got to do. You say no, okay, let me go, let me go do the next one. Uh, there was no sulking, there was no, I mean, that's there's other people in the in the football office that I've talked to that are a little pissed off today. But when I talk to sources close to the program and inside the program, they're like, dude, he's already he's already locked in on what's next. Like he's pissed about I'm I'm pissed about it, but like that's the guy he wanted. There's no front in there. There's no there's no spin in that one. But he's just he's just so focused on on moving forward that he's already grinding and working on what's next. And and what I was also told is he never stopped contact with certain coaches he likes during this whole thing, just smart. Right. So even though the public perception is accurate, that that's who he wanted. Uh, it's, it's, he, I think he handled it well on his end and that's all he can control. And so to me, that's, you want to know what the, the silver lining is for me today, Ryan, somebody asked this last night, what's the silver line? It's that you have a head coach. that's going to, he's not like his predecessor who used all these things about Notre Dame as, as, as excuses not to do put into work, right? The administration is not why Brian Kelly became such a good golfer during his tenure at Notre Dame, right? The administration is not the reason Brian Kelly kept uh, Paul, um, Paul Long. Uh, Phil, mm, I was getting, it's Paul Longo, correct? Paul is the Longo. strength coach yes. uh, as around as long as he did. It's not the administration's fault that they kept that they hired Brian Van Gorder and kept him on as long as they did. It's not the administration's fault that Brian Kelly would greet the team in January and then disappear for two months, that he didn't buy in, that, that he let the program go. That's on him, not the administration. 
Were there things the administration didn't do well? Yes, 100%. But they did not win because of the chef. Marcus Freeman will not be leaving Notre Dame someday and saying, well, we didn't win because we didn't have a team chef. You know, he's going to say, I didn't get the job done, right? If that, if that in fact happens, or he's going to leave a winner. But the fact is, he's not a, he's not an excuse maker. He's not going to say, well, Notre Dame screwed me. So I got every excuse to go eight and four next year. That's, I can promise you from talking to people that know him a lot better than I do and you do, that's exactly who he is. And then from my interactions with him, like I interviewed him last year, Ryan, and I tried to get some, sort of excuses out of him because I wanted to kind of see how to respond. He wouldn't take the bait. And you could see it in his face because this was in his office, right? It was for the, it's for the summer article that we put out. It's like, you could see it's like, it didn't even register in his head that I was giving him a chance to make an excuse. It just was like, no, nah, this is what we're going to do. And so I, I look at those things and, and it was about like the roster and some stuff like that. And that's just kind of, that's just kind of where he is. And so that's my saving grace today. Ryan is that. And because that's how he is, that's what we're going to do next is kind of say, okay, what's next? Where do you go from here? The reality is Ryan, there's still an opportunity to go out there and get a really good football coach to complete this step, not just an offensive coordinator, but a line quarterbacks coach. And I would imagine the coordinator, if you're going to hire from outside, will be one of those two, right? If you promote from within, you need an O-line and a, tie, and a quarterback's coach. Those are all aspects of it. So there'll be other hires that need to be made. But the reality is he is going to focus on kind of the what's next and getting a good football coach. And there are good football coaches to get. It will not take away from – Ryan, you and I have both said the number one guy we wanted was Ludwig. And I believe that to be true for Marcus Freeman. There's some other things that went on and all that, but I I believe from my sources that he was the top guy. But as we also said at the beginning, it's not a here's one, two, three, four, and they get worse and worse and worse as they go down. It is these are good football coaches. I think that guy is the best fit for what we need now. It's not always just about he is the best coach. It's he is a guy that I believe is the best fit. But there's other guys that he views that way, and and I think those are the things that we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna kind of get into. All right. So I think the first guy to talk about Ryan is the guy we've talked about before, and I talked to a source last night. I do believe Jason Candle from Toledo is also someone that's under consideration. He turned down the Miami job, I believe. Miami hired um, the guy that used to be the receivers coach at West Virginia back in the day, uh, Shannon. I'm trying to remember his last name, Ryan. I can't remember his last name, but they hired their, I believe they hired an offensive coordinator because they got turned down by, by, uh, by them. So, um, so where we're at, Ryan, it also just got announced that, uh, the Cardinals are going to hire the Eagles defensive coordinator. (laughs) Have fun. Yeah. So (laughs) they just can't keep, they just can't get out of their own way. But anyway, um, I think Jason Candle's an interesting guy, Ryan. Shannon Dawson, thank you all. So, uh, Ryan, your your thoughts? You've you've talked about Sh- Jason Candle before. I know you're very high on Jason Candle. Share yeah. share with the people why you're high on Jason well, Candle I, as a coach. Again, he's just a candidate. We're going to talk about some others that we like that we think we could see Notre Dame going after. But this is one that obviously we we can talk about. 
And I, th- I think that he was a guy that I think was on my original list that we talked about a little bit, right? Was that he's a Midwestern guy. He's been in pretty much the state of Ohio his entire life, right? He's coached at obviously Toledo the last few years. And he's done a really good job at Toledo. Turned that program into, you know, one of the best in the Mac pretty much, you know, for, for the better part of his tenure so far. And there's a reason that the University of Miami has tried to court him now two years in a row as their offense coordinator, and he hasn't taken the bait. I believe that he brings a lot of multiplicity to the offensive game, which I really like because he's worked with guys like Logan Woodside, like Carter Bradley, that are more pocket quarterbacks, right? So there's a little bit more of a pro-style element to those guys. They're not guys that are going to run around a ton, move the pocket a ton for. They're going to play within structure. But then this year, you get to Quan Finn as your starting quarterback after seeing him a little bit in 2021. And of course, Notre Dame fans are going to remember Daquan Finn because he's the guy that had the uh that took the kept the ball in the zone read for the go-ahead touchdown when they played against Toledo a couple years ago. So the things I love about Jason Candle, one, he's a you know, still pretty young guy. He's had hood coaching experience. He's he's viewed as a very sharp offensive mind by Everyone I've talked to, everyone talks very highly of Jason Candle. But the reason I really like him is, one, he believes in running the football, which I think that's a core competency of Notre Dame, right? You need to be able to run the football, establish the line of scrimmage, all those great stuff. Toledo's done that. and it's But it's been different throughout the years, right? There's been times where they didn't have a mobile quarterback. They had to really emphasize the run game in a different way. Daquan Finn adds a little bit of an element to that because now you have the read game, the quarterback run game off of what you do at Toledo. But no matter who the quarterback has been, no matter what the style has been, Jason Candle and his offensive staff have been able to accentuate those strengths. So whether it is more of a pro style feel with a little bit more of pocket quarterbacks, whether it is more of a spread feel with a guy like Daquan Finn, he's a guy that has shown me in the course of his career so far, that whoever he has at quarterback and at the skill positions, he can accentuate it and become a different type of play caller and a different offensive system. And he and anytime a guy can do that, that can jump from multiple sk- schemes and multiple systems, you're a smart guy. Because it's easy for a guy, well, not easy, but it's easier for a guy to specialize in one system the entirety of his career and recruit just to that. That's all I ever do. But when you go from a Carter Bradley to a Daquan Finn, you can't run the same offense. It's not structurally going to look the same. So I believe that if Jason Candle is the guy that ultimately ends up with Notre Dame's job, he'll be able to look at Sam Hartman. He'll be able to look at the running back room. He'll be able to look at the skill position outside of running back. He'll be able to look at the offensive line. And I believe that he is the right guy to look at this system and say, that's what we need to do. Because I've shown that I can change for what is the best of my football team and what I can get the most out of them. So I'd like Jason Candle a ton because he's shown me that he's multi multi plicitive with how he runs offensive, um, how he runs his offensive attack. He has shown me that he can get the most out of solid, but not great Mac talent. And I think that he's a guy that is a very well thought of intelligent guy who fits the, fits the Midwestern mold of a coach who's been a Midwest guy pretty much his entire life. So I, I, I think that he would be a very good hire for Notre Dame. I do. I think that he brings a lot to the game that gets you very excited, in my opinion. I don't know that I would say he's likely 
but I definitely know he's still under consideration. And and honestly, I don't know if he'd even walk away from Toledo. I think he is entertaining these offers. So he's clearly inter- – I don't think he's just using these schools just to get a new contract extension. But it you certainly take advantage of it, right? And so – and I also think that just because you don't have a glowing record as a head coach doesn't mean that you're not a really good offensive coordinator potential or defensive coordinator. I think that's another thing. I've said this a million times. Just because you're a good assistant doesn't mean you're going to be a good coordinator. And just because you're a good coordinator doesn't mean you're going to be a head coach. And just because you're a good head coach doesn't mean you'd be a good coordinator. I mean, guys have different strengths. And so to me, Ryan, when I look at it is I do think he's a good coach. I like that he adjusts his personality. And, and part of the reason, and this is somewhat of a, I'll be honest, a bias. I liked what I saw from him on film going into the 2021 Notre Dame game. And I liked how ready his team was to play against Notre Dame. That said something to me. And I thought their offensive game plan was very good that game. And they had Notre Dame on their heels with things. So, and I've watched some other games where maybe they weren't quite as great, but I think overall, I, I, I like the stuff he does offensively, right? I, I do. Their defense has not been very good and, you know, things along those lines. But as you said, I don't think Toledo has great talent. I was discussing with a buddy of mine who felt Toledo had some of the best talent in the Mac. And I was like, yeah, I don't really see that. I, I don't, I don't really see it that way. So, but um, those are my thoughts on him. I think another interesting aspect of this too, Ryan, is because the, I'll say the circumstances are different now for Marcus Freeman than they were when he first started this hire. And that is mainly because of the f- decision that Harry Heastan did make last week is when coach Freeman was initially putting this list together. He, I think he knew that there was a chance coach Freeman or coach Heastan could leave, but it wasn't a certain thing. It wasn't until he started moving on to guys like, uh, Ludwig and Klein that you started to see him, you know, he stand, make his decision. So there's going to be some guys on the list that you could pursue. If you're Marcus Freeman, that you maybe couldn't before. And, and so what I was told last night from a source is that, is that when, when Marcus Freeman kind of goes back onto the what's next, it's not just a list of guys that he had before Ryan that you're going to see a little bit of an expanded list as well. And you're going to see some guys now that are some offensive line OC guys and you know who those guys are going to be. I, I don't know the answer to that yet, but we know some names that we like. And so I want to make sure that we're clear on this. These are names that we like that sort of fit the mold of what we believe Marcus Freeman is also looking for now sure. as a potential option. And then one of those lists is is we've talked about before, uh, uh, Ryan, and that's Alex Atkins from Florida State. Yep. And that's certainly a guy that uh, uh, I would look at, right? I've said before, I, I get a little nervous when I see a guy that's not a play caller. or I mean, w- w- is under a coach who is an offensive coordinator. I've said this before. It was a concern I have with Garrett Riley. So that's my concern with Alec, Alex Atkins. But, man, we both love what he did with the offensive line at Florida State. And then – Here's the thing for me. Even though he was the offensive coordinator, I believe Mike Norvell still calls plays. Am I am I incorrect on that, Ryan? I thought Atkins did now. Atkins called plays. Okay. I think so. Yeah. So then Norvell has handed that over to him. I believe so. Okay. The fact that their offensive line was physical and sound this year as a play caller impressed the heck out of me because that's a very hard thing to do, especially for an offensive line coach. 
And that's why I don't see a ton of offensive coordinators who are also still the offensive line coach, maybe former offensive line coaches, but they then take yeah. on a different role when they take over that job. So I think that's a guy to me that, that I would, I would give a, a good look to if I was Marcus Freeman is that now, yeah. I don't know if Alex Atkins would be interested in the job, no clue, but that's a guy that I would give a look to in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, because he, I mean, like you said, Brian, I mean, he did a really good job with this Florida State offensive line this year. And not a ton of talent on the Florida State offensive line. I mean, it's okay. Robert Scott Jr. is a solid talent at at the one tackle spot. Dylan Gibbons, who is a guy that Notre Dame fans know. I mean, great human being, good football player, you know, solid. But the Florida State offensive line is not the most incredibly toolsy group of all time. And, I mean, Alex Atkin walked into kind of a little bit of a dumpster fire offensively where we're talking about offensive line play for sure right like i mean there's always going to be some playmakers on florida state right like you're always going to recruit some guys that can you know can make stuff happen in space but the offensive line there for a while was awful it was terrible and he rebuilt that unit into a good unit this year again wasn't a great unit no but i also don't think there's a ton of talent like dylan gibbons is a good player he's a good football player robert scott jr is a talented kid who's you know developing but there's not a can i say one thing ryan just to not to push back on that but to ask you for clarity when you say not a good line are you referring to the talent or the play because i think that's two things right like what i mean by that is hey we've talked about this with the clemson lines especially the 16 line wasn't a great line from a talent standpoint but man they were well coached and they played well they just weren't talented. So, which, which of those two, kind of what, are, or maybe both? When I, you I think say it's a little both, a little bit of both. <laughs> so, you didn't think they were necessarily a really fundamentally sound line or well coached line? They, or? they, they definitely weren't well coached. And mm-hmm. I mean, I just remember like guys like Dante Lucas started on that offensive line and stuff. And then, like, I mean, I'm not this this group. Oh, I, I said this group was a lot better than previous. I said when he first got in there, right. when he first got to. No, I get State, that. What, you said it's, it wasn't a great line. I'm. That was a good I'm, line. Just, I'm asking good line. for clarity. Good line meaning. It was just not talented or just not a really well coached I mean, line. It's, I'm just looking for clarity there or a little bit of it, both. That's what I'm looking for. They were terrible not, when we got here, Ryan. Like no yeah, talent, terrible. poorly coached, yeah. all that. I'm talking about now. I'm sorry I wasn't there. I mean, the talent's definitely a little better. I don't think it's the most incredibly talented line, though, still. I mean, Robert right. Scott, I Agreed. think, is a pretty talented kid. I But it's not like – there's not a ton of resources to work with there. I think that he got the most out of what he could have gotten with that offensive okay. line this year. I think okay. that they that he did a question. really good job developing them. I think that you saw – Jordan Travis obviously take a huge step in the right yeah. direction as a quarterback. He went from a good player to a very good football player this year. You got obviously, you know, Johnny Wilson had a really nice year for them, both running backs, Ward and and those felt and Benson had a really nice year for them. So the offense and just in general was very improved of what we've seen from Florida State. And the offensive line, I think, was a big part of that, right? I mean, the offensive line, it's no it's not a coincidence that usually when offensive line plays well, offenses tend to play well too, right? So I think that you give Alex Atkins a lot of credit for developing a much better offensive line unit, for helping to develop this offensive offensive group just in general over the years, over the last couple of years. So I, I like a lot of what he's done, man. He's I think he's a I think he's a really good offensive line coach. I think that he's you know developing obviously as an offensive coordinator. And he's learned from Mike Norvell because I agree with you. It does give me pause as well at times when I see offensive coordinator under a very smart offensive guy. That does give me pause. Yeah. But the one thing is that some guys, 
you're you could look at it the other yeah. way and say learn it from one of the best, right? Learn from a great offensive guy. So Lincoln Riley, exactly. Right? He learned yeah. under Mike Leach, right, and That's then it. went on his own and did his thing. Uh, agree 100%. completely. I yeah. want to say something else too about a guy like Alex Atkins for me mm-hmm. is it's a situation for me too, Ryan, where I would say, um, when I, when I look at it, I. I feel a guy that is more of a run game guy or O-line guy is walking into a good situation with Jared Parker and Chancey Stuckey, in my opinion. Because you do have a guy in Jared Parker who is a pass game guy, meaning he played wide receiver, he's coached receivers and tight ends. He is a perimeter guy that would bring great value to an O-line guy where they would work well together, in my opinion. Same with Chancey. Now, Chancey's still a young coach, but Chancey is is the reason Chancey's 39 – and has only coached a couple of years is because he played in the NFL for what almost a decade, right, Ryan? I mean, so yeah, kind of pushed his. He had some things going on before he could get into coaching, right? I mean, you know. So the point is, Chancey knows the game, and Chancey Stuckey was not an elite athlete. Mm-hmm. Chancey Stuckey played in the NFL for as long as he did because he was smart. He was a good athlete, but he was smart because he, again, former quarterback. Yes, and so you have two guys that really know the game. And so that would help a guy like him, in my opinion, if if he was to come in and kind of have that let me work with people type of mentality. I, I also, you know what my big thing is, Ryan. I want to see what a guy did before and after a job. And when you look at Alex Atkins, there's there's three the last three stops. He's well, he's been at three stops at the power five at the division one level. And his resume before Florida State's not only impressive when you just look at the schools. He was at Tulane for three years under Willie Fritz, I believe. Mm-hmm. In 2015, 2014, uh, or excuse me, 2015, the year before he was hired at Tulane, uh, they averaged 115.7 or 0.8 yards per game rushing, 3.5 yeah. per carry. The next year, year one of Alex Atkins, uh, they averaged 228.1 yards per game. What? They yeah. was doubled their output? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, th- they ran sort of an, an option-ish type of thing, you know, yeah. like a power option-ish type of thing, but yes. And then 4.6 per carry. The next year, they went out 231.5, 4.8 yards per carry. And then his last year there, they were down to 218, 218.2, 4.7 per carry, and had a 1,000-yard running back each of the last two years. Well, Don Darius Bradwell and Dontrell Hilliard in back-to-back years, two different guys. Then he went to Charlotte in 2019. The year before he got to Charlotte, Charlotte averaged 162 rushing yards per game. 166 the year before that. In his first year, they jumped up from 162.6, 3.7 per carry to 200.4, 4.9 per carry. He left immediately, went to Florida State. The next year, Charlotte went down to 154.8, 3.9 per carry. They were 149.8 the next year and 116.1 the next year. One of these does not look like the others, and it was the one year he was there. And then we get to old Florida State, which is where he has been the last three years. So he was hired in 2020 as just in 2021. He was just the offensive line coach. He was promoted to offensive coordinator this year, which is, again, one year as a coordinator. But he's walking into a situation where he's not going to have to do it all by himself. They were a 27.9 point per game team his first year. I mean, the year before. They were 25.8 and then 27.6 his two years as just the line coach this year as the play caller. They jumped up to, did the flowers come? They jumped up to 36.1 points per game in his year as a play caller. 
The year before he got there as a rushing offense, they averaged 140.7 yards per game. The His first year there, they jumped up to 199.9. They went from 3.8 yards per carry to 5.1, Ryan. That's a 1.3 difference. 2021, they were down to 177.7, 4.8 per carry. And then this year's a play call, they jumped back up to 214.1 and 5.5 yards per carry. And, and um, you know, so I always say, you look at what a guy has done relative to what has happened around him, you're going to get a good a good sense of, can this guy coach or not? Because I've said this, right? My dad used to joke about this. So I'm going to toot my own horn for a second here, Ryan. Okay. When I was at Duquesne, we won a national championship my one year there. We had great numbers, set some school records and, you know, passing yards. I was the receivers coach. Went to Christopher Newport. My first year there, we set a school record for points in a game, passing yards in a game, set like every passing record we had, and then broke it all the next year. I went at Muhlenberg my first year as a running backs coach. Our running back was an All-American, set all of our records, uh, all, all purpose yards, touchdowns, all that. And so my dad used to joke, either you're the luckiest guy in the world or you're kind of pretty good at this, right? And and then you look at the production before and after, and it was, you know, it was never – never quite the same. And so that's why I've always kind of felt that way about it is show me a guy that did things that the guys before and after him couldn't do. And that tells me you've got a guy that was pretty good at what he did. Um, and so I think those are things that, that I say, when I look at, I said this about Ludwig and I think that's something you can look at with Atkins Ryan too, is I just went to the only three division one jobs he's had in the numbers in under his tenure are significantly, not just 10 yards, significantly better than, what it was immediately before him. He's not one of those dudes that has shown the need to not, I need three years to get it going. He's shown immediate improvement in those areas. And I think you can't ignore that. You, you can't ignore that, in my opinion. And that's something why, you know, from when you first pointed Alec Atkins out to me, because you were on him before I was, you're like, hey, this is a guy that I would look at if Harry wasn't here. I believe it was you that said that to me, right, Ryan? Yeah. When we first started doing this. No, actually, you put his name out, and I was like, doesn't he coach O-line? Like, yeah, shoot, I forgot about that, right? Because you immediately yeah. went to Alex. You didn't even think about the fit. You just you just said Alex Atkins because he's a guy that you liked. And so I started doing a little bit more digging into him, and you're like, man, it's uh, that's 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 pretty good. Yes. So I like those kind of things, Ryan, and um, uh, I, he he's impressed me. He's a guy. And again, I don't know if there's any connection there, if this is definitely a guy that they're going to look at, but it's definitely a guy that I would look at. That's for darn sure. And I was told that they're going to add some O-line OCs to the mix in this whole thing. And so that's definitely a guy that I would go. Guy that I wanted to ask you about, Ryan, is uh, Jeff Grimes from Baylor. Yeah. Very good reputation. I'll be honest, Ryan, I'm I'm not quite as sold on him as some other people are. Talk to me about Jeff Grimes and what you think of him. Cause I, th- I think if I remember correctly, you you like you like the guy, correct? Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, 
deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of pro style. There's a lot of pro style elements in his game, in his offensive structure, right? Because he's another offensive line guy. Most people remember him mostly for what he was able to do at BYU with Zach Wilson that year, right? I mean, Zach was phenomenal that year. And I mean, (laughs) a big part of what made Zach Wilson so good in that offense was structurally. That offense was a really nice run offense. They had Tyler Algier, who is now, you know, the starting running back for the Atlanta Falcons, had a really quietly good rookie year, by the way. And I think a lot of what he does, I think, does fit the mold of what Notre, Notre Dame needs to do, right? You talk about the ability to run the football. I mean, Tyler Algier with his in his year there with Zach Wilson, what he did with Baylor last year, I forget the running back's name that he had at Baylor that went to the senior bowl, but he was a really good football player for them. I mean, he had a fantastic year. He was a former linebacker turned running back. I forget his name at this point, but they did. A, I thought he did has done a really good job with establishing the running game for the better part of what Are I've seen. Are you talking about Abram Smith or the other kid? Abr- Abram Smith. Abram okay. Smith was the former linebacker, switched to running back, went to the senior bowl. Good football player, man. But so he has shown me that he has a high emphasis on running the football. Now this year at Baylor was not nearly as good because I think Baylor was the easiest team ever this year, Brian, to predict as a team that's going to take a step back because they lost so much from the year before, man. It's like you lost Tyquan Thornton. You lost Abram Smith. You lost a couple offensive lobby. You lost a lot of defenders. I mean, Terrell Bernard and all those dudes. Baylor was a pretty predictable team to take a step back under Dave Aranda this year. You know, it's more yeah. about the long term than the short term in that situation. But I, I think that when Jeff Grimes has had good football players, I talk about Tyler Algier, I talk about Abram Smith, I talk about Zach Wilson for the college game. I think he's shown that there's a lot of upside to his offense. And I like structurally that there's a lot of pro style elements. He's not just a shotgun guy. He'll go under center a little bit. He'll establish the run game. A lot of great play action stuff in that BYU year, especially, you know, working off of the run action. I think there's a lot of elements that make sense for Notre Dame. And, you know, would he be my top, the top guy on my list? I'm not, not saying that. What I'm saying is would I give him a deep look? I would give him a look, no doubt about it, because he is well-respected. And I do think that there's some elements that do parlay to what Notre Dame needs to do structurally that to be successful at, at you know, at the peak of what their program can be. I'll be honest. I never loved Baylor's offense, but I also feel they've been very limited by the quarterback position. Gary Bohannon ain't it. And, and Blake Shapen ain't it to be no, honest with not. you. 
they're not. And, and so to me, I, I look at it, Ryan, and I say, I, I don't love what I've seen from him, but I also don't know that we saw a guy that necessarily had great talent, in yeah. my opinion. Gary, now, Gary last Bohannon, year he had – I think Gary Bohannon may have lost his starting job this year at South Florida, if to put that into perspective. You, you were you how were, not you were right. Correct. <laughs> you were correct. And and you know, this year he threw six touchdowns and six picks, right? And six point seven per per attempt at Baylor last year. He was at 18 and seven for seven point nine per attempt. So obviously was a lot better there. He had some NFL talent last year. You know, you had Tyquan Thornton, you had RJ Sneed. Uh, we, you and I talked about the Ivy League kid. What was his name? Um, I know uh, Estrada. Estrada. Yes, yes. Yeah. the Ivy League kid. They had Abram Smith at running back. They also had Tress and Ebner, and I believe he got drafted too, didn't he? he the number I think two he back? made. I think he made the Bears roster, if I remember correctly. So I'm going to look and see if Tress and Ebner actually got drafted or not. I thought. I thought he was at least think, at the combine, right? I, I, I think he. I think he got drafted. He was like a sixth round pick, I think, or something like that. Yes, you are correct. Sixth round pick. And and so, you know, to me, Ryan, I look at it and I say, um, the year he had talent, per, I mean, they went to the Big 12 title game, did pretty good. Well, the interesting thing is Abram Smith's the one that didn't get drafted. He didn't. No, Even he, he was stuck anywhere. Really good college running back. Yep. You know, oh, so can, again, I say, he, can I say ahead. one more thing about Grimes too, Brian, which I completely sure. forgot, I skipped over. He's another offensive line coach. And I think when you look right. at what he did at BYU that 2020 season, everyone talked about Zach Wilson, but that offensive line that year was fantastic with Brady Christensen and all right. those dudes. That was a really good offensive line. And I think Baylor has had a really good offensive line over the last two years. Yeah. There's been some depletion well as far as their skill position, but like Connor Galvin, yeah. Jacob Gall, they've been a good offensive line the last two years. Right. Now, their their run game at BYU kind of took off in the COVID year when they didn't really play anybody. That would be my only knock on this time at BYU is they just didn't really run the ball tremendously well. They did his last year, but but that, again, they were playing in fear opponents, in my opinion. So um, so that that's kind of where I come from on it, Ryan, is is I just would have to do more due diligence, but I also don't know if I could say that he's he's had great talent to work with, to be honest with you. When he had some NFL players on his team, they were really good. They weren't super explosive, but I think they fit really well with what Marcus Freeman is looking to do. Uh, my concern is, you know, thirty-one point six points per game doesn't doesn't excite me. You know, they scored twenty, they scored less than thirty points in each of their last six games. Yep. But again, you know, not a super super talented team and, and very limited at quarterback, in my opinion. He wouldn't be limited in Notre Dame, but. It's not. A, it's not a move that would knock my socks off, Ryan. To be honest with you, it's but I, as an O line coach, I've heard a lot of good things about him. Uh, I, I, I would. I would almost take sort of a bit more of a risk on Alex Atkins than I would Jeff Grimes. Yeah. Just because I feel like there's more ceiling there. To be okay. honest with you, and Alex Atkins, I think is is a maybe a little bit better regional fit, maybe. You know, was born in the north. He's moved all around. He went to school in Tennessee. He's kind of, you know, been more of an East Coast, Southeast guy where Jeff Grimes is a Texas guy who's now at a Texas school. You know, and I would think that he's probably in putting himself in position to become a head coach here pretty soon. So, you know, that that's kind of where I look at it. So uh, there's another guy that I like. Uh, I, I hope I'm saying his name, name correctly. Andy uh, Cottlenecki, I think is what Tennessee. is from oh, from Kansas. Look, one-year guy. So you're, you're taking a bit of a risk there, but Ryan, the, the job that they did 
this year offensively was outstanding at Kansas. It it really was. You know, this was his uh, second year as the offensive coordinator there. He was uh, a Baylor with Lance Leopold. You know my stance on Lance Leopold, Ryan. I think the guy's a heck of a coach. He was with him at Wisconsin Whitewater. So the track record's not going to blow you away. And and there are some concerns about, you know, was he really running the offense? But, man, I got to tell you, thank you. The the jump they made this year at Kansas in, in, in a short period of time was outstanding. Really, really outstanding, in my opinion. And you're talking about a team that in 2020, the year before he got hired, averaged 104.9 rushing yards per game. In, in year one, they jumped up to 139.3 and 3.8. That's actually a big jump. It's over a yard per carry, and it's a, a, a 35 yards per game. This year, they jumped up to 183.5. And, and that took a hit when their quarterback got hurt because yes. he was a big part of what they did. That's also one of my knocks on him is I don't love an offense that's that's so predicated on a quarterback that can run. They also had a running back that went out and rushed for a thousand yards this year. And Devin and Neal, Devin Neal good yeah. player. Six point one yards per carry, right? Their number two back averaged five point nine yards per carry. My issue with with uh with Kotal Nicky is similar to my issue with Sean Lewis, who you know I think is also someone to keep in keep in mind on this, but we've talked a lot about Sean Lewis. And that is I don't know if I love the scheme fit. And that'd be my issue there. And that's right. why I kind of talked about him last, where I think the fit with with um with Atkins, it'd be a little bit smoother, in my opinion. Sure. Th- th- that would be my big knock on, on Coddle Nicky, Ryan. It's just the, they're a spread team. The question is, but they kind of have to be. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is right. that's, probably not a, that's probably more out of necessity that they have to play that way because he doesn't have a lot of dudes up front, right? Like, I mean, he's working with some very average offensive linemen. And, but I, the one thing that I really did like, though, Brian, is because you mentioned Jalen Daniels, obviously, who's a, was having a tremendous start to his year, his season. And I know he had a really nice game to end the year, but he was very uneven after he came back from injury. Even when he got hurt, though, they got a lot out of Jason Bean, who, in my opinion, is a very average college quarterback, right? And they got a decent amount of production out of that kid. So they, I mean, they got a lot of production out of the quarterback position in general. They were able to run the football at a pretty nice clip. I mean, Devin Neal was one of the more underrated players in the Big 12 this year, in my opinion. I mean, he had a really nice season. If Jalen Daniels didn't get hurt, he's probably even better because that takes some, you know, takes some emphasis off of stopping him all the time. So I think that there's a lot of good – he's one of those guys where, similar to what you just said about Jeff Grimes, I would love to sit down with him and just talk ball, right? Yeah. See if he's a pure spread guy, or if like, hey man, we just didn't have the dudes up front. We just right. didn't have it. We need to spread. We need to spread the field, or else we weren't going to be successful, right? Because yeah. that's possible. Because he's an offensive line guy ultimately. So usually, offensive line guys are not like that, right? Like they don't. Right. They're not spread it out, dudes. Usually they're like, hey, let's grind it out, you know. And that wasn't him, obviously, this past year. So he's a guy that, again, doesn't have a ton of experience as an offensive play caller, and. He's a guy that the scheme doesn't fit 100%. I agree with you. I don't think the scheme fits. It's very similar to Sean Lewis. But he's a guy that I would love to sit down and just say, hey, man, what do you believe in, right? What do you like to do offensively? I would love to talk to him about that stuff. Right. Yeah. So those are some guys, Ryan, to kind of look at uh, as far as outside candidates. And look, there's an inside candidate that is part of this conversation too. And that is Jared Parker. 
in some capacity. Now, I don't know whether that'd be as a co-coordinator with somebody else or if it's going to be as, as an offensive coordinator, but this is a name, Ryan, that you and I have talked about from the beginning. And so as I've done, I've done some digging on this, we're going to continue to try to learn more about him. Uh, look, here's the reality. Here's two realities of Jared Parker. Number one, everything I've heard about him from people at West Virginia and people in Notre Dame is really impressive. Number two, there's no way that hire is going to get made in a way that Notre Dame fans are going to accept. It's just, they're not. So he's going to be put in a situation where he, he's going to have to sh- immediately have an impact if he is the guy. So again, he's a candidate. We've said from the beginning, we I wrote in an article at the beginning, we talked on our initial podcast, Jared Parker is a guy that Notre Dame fans are going to have to you know, have somewhat of a, 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 a keep in mind. People talking about he's a leading candidate. People need to chill with that, right? He is a candidate. He's always been a candidate. But people need to kind of chill running into this chat with intel that they're getting from other sites. The reality is, guys, you've done that before, and the intel's been wrong. Remember so, Byron Leftwich, right. Remember Brian, Brian Johnson. John yeah. Lewis was the next guy. Yeah. So the reality is he's always been a candidate. He is a candidate now. Do I think there's a chance they go there? There is now. You know what I mean? And so from what I understand, one of the people that really wanted to get Andy Ludwig here was Jared Parker, from what I heard from a source, is because he he you look good coaches, guys that really not this, but they want to work with other great coaches and learn from other great coaches, right? And so, you know, that's why I spent time at Duke with David Cutcliffe. So when I when I look at this, this is a legitimate candidate. It's one that Notre Dame fans are not going to embrace. And I understand. I do. And and it's only made worse by how this all went down with Andy Ludwig. Because if you hire internally, it's going to look really bad. It's going to look like you had to settle for this thing, and it's going to be bad optics. And there's only one thing that Marcus Freeman and and, and Jared Parker and the rest of them are able to do, and that is come out September and light the scoreboard up. Yeah. Because I, the reality is, is, is Ryan, is I'm not going to sit there and try to tell people, no, 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 no. Get on board. This is phenomenal. That's that's up to you to decide. I'm still learning a lot about Jared Parker, right? Like yep. I said, I don't, I don't really have a relationship with Jared Parker. I don't know him. We haven't sat down and talked ball, right? Like I used to. With one of the things that helped me get to learn about Chip Long when he was, yeah, you know, first got hired, Chip Long was really was willing to pick up the phone and call and talk ball if you were willing to talk ball with him. So I was able to pick his brain a lot, and I was really impressed by the things. I don't really know Jared Parker that well. But what I'm telling you is when you when I talk to people at West Virginia, I've said this before, I've said this when he was hired. I was told by a lot of people at West Virginia that's not that was not his offense. That was Neil Brown's offense. Ryan, you've heard that from people in the industry as well, that Neil Brown's a tough guy to work for because you're gonna do what he wants you to do. Coming from a from a former player as well. So yes, yeah. yes. And so you have to be careful kind of looking at that, right? Is dude was running somebody else's offense. I know a lot of people that think very highly of him. I, I've been told people, I, I'll be straight up, guys that are no longer in the program that I've talked to, that, what are your thoughts on Jared Parker? Oh, love that guy. Great coach, great teacher, really smart, all that kind of stuff. 
And and be honest also, Tommy Reese did not want Jared Parker to be hired as tight ends coach. From what I understand, their relationship really took off because Tommy Reese had a lot of respect for his football mind. That's things that I've been told. And and look, let's be real about this too. That's why Marcus Freeman brought him in, was to eventually have him be the offensive coordinator. I think what may happen because of this stuff with Ludwig is it just gets expedited a little bit. That's a potential option. But talking to some sources last night that are very close to this, that's a legitimate option. Jared Parker's a legitimate option. But so is there's still outside guys being considered. I'm telling you. Now, if Jared Parker gets named the offensive coordinator, does that mean – what does that mean? It means that those guys just weren't going to – it wasn't going to work. And Marcus Freeman needs to get this done, and he's going to go with somebody he trusts. Because I can tell you right now, there's not a coach on the offensive staff or a coach out there that Marcus Freeman knows better or trusts more than Jared Parker. That may not be reason enough, but here's the other reason, Ryan, why Notre Dame fans are going to be very skeptical of this. Because this is stuff that Brian Kelly did all the time, right? And and fair or not, until Jared Parker would go out there and show what he can do, Van Gorder, Quinn, that's what people are going to assume. And I get it. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, no, people don't. I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to tell you that this is kind of where it could go. And the right. things that I've been told about Jared Parker, and I hope to learn more. And, and as I learn more, I promise you we'll talk about it on the show. But the things that I've heard from the minute this guy was hired, and even when when we started hearing that he was potentially going to be hired, is things that I've heard from people outside the Notre Dame program is that this is a really smart football coach. And, and, you know, there was an incident that happened with him that kind of derailed his career a little bit. And had that not happened, he'd be a, an offensive coordinator somewhere right now. And that's just the reality of it too. And so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be fair about this, Ryan, because what we don't do here is we don't spin. We don't, we don't right. take the talking points from the school and spin it. Right. And so I'm trying to, to, to be, complimentary of Jared Parker in a way that doesn't come across as that. Sure. Because that's what we don't do here. I know what the optics are going to look like and they're understandable optics, Ryan, but I don't think that's what this would be from what I have been told by others. It's like you punish a guy because of what the previous coach did. And I don't know if that's necessarily fair, but we're going to find out one way or the other, if he makes the move. And I don't know if he's going to make the move, but I, I, I would just, I would, I would, I would ask that all of us try to be as as open minded as possible about this, and understanding that if if Swarb, if Freeman does make this move, this was not his initial desire. He wanted someone to come in and work alongside of Jared Parker and Chancey Stuckey and those guys uh, to be a part of it. And so, uh, to me. I think that we need to try our best to keep an open mind. Ryan, you and I have had this conversation, right? And 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 we've said, look, the, the optics of this are really bad, really bad. Yep. And it's not a needle-moving move from a perception standpoint at all, at all. And the fact that Marcus Freeman did try to hire somebody else does matter. It backs it up, yeah. And and so meaning that that I believe in this guy, but I but maybe in a year. You know, I, I don't think Marcus necessarily thought Tommy was leaving after a year. 
I think this hire is made to eventually replace Tommy Reese. I, I do. I, I don't believe, I don't know that for a fact. I haven't told that, but I, I believe that based on some things I have heard. I just think it's happening a little bit faster than maybe they would have anticipated. So it, we're going to do our best to, to be fair with Jared Parker, like we have been with every other candidate and tell you the things we like and to tell you things we don't like. And one of the things I don't like is that he never has ran his offense before. He ran Neil Brown's offense for a couple of years. Yep. He was a guy that was named the interim head coach of Purdue when uh, Daryl Hazel was fired. This may not seem like it matters to you, Ryan, but that was six years ago. And, and, and what does it say that the, it, that the people at that school felt that he was the guy that should lead that program through that train wreck? Like, that tells me a little bit about what his reputation was. Because yep. you know who they didn't pick to be the interim head coach? Marcus Freeman. Sure. Right. And so, you know, those are things that I look at and I say, um, uh, to me, it's, 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 you look at the track record, you look at where he's been. There's some very intriguing aspects to him as a coach, Ryan, some very intriguing aspects. He's been a recruiting coordinator. We've heard good things about him as a recruiter. I love the fact, I'm not going to lie to you, Ryan, I love the fact that he worked with David Cuckler for two years. Sure. Love the fact. Uh, so, uh, you know, to me, I think his background is more of a more of a pro-style guy than that of a spread guy. The spread stuff they did at, at, uh, at, at West Virginia was what Neil Brown wanted. If you look at his track record, I, I do believe it's a little bit more pro stylish than anything else, in my opinion. I could be wrong, but that's what I think. I mean, he was with he was with um, at Penn State. He was with uh, their co coordinators that year were Tyler Bowen and Ricky Rain. Uh, Penn State was was a, a more conventional spread team that year. I would say, Ryan, is that would you say that's accurate? To yeah, you know they they were not a a uh, sort of the same kind of spread that uh, you know, that Sean Lewis is running, right? They weren't like an air raid kind of spread. They were more of a traditional spread. Um, ran for 190 yards that year. If you remember, Journey Brown had 800 yards that year. Uh, Sean Clifford, it was his first year. I think it was his first year as a starter. Yeah, first year as a full-time starter. Was replacing uh, Trace McSorley, and their passing numbers went up a little bit when they replaced him with McSorley. So, I thought they did some good things that year. He was the receivers coach for that team. And then he immediately got the offensive coordinator job at West Virginia and uh, didn't have a whole lot to work with, to be honest with you, at quarterback. So I, I would just encourage people to try to keep an open mind. Try as best you can to separate the process from the coach would be my advice. And if you come down to not like the hire, that's cool. That's cool. All I would say is, just make it be about the coach, not the process. And people can say it's spent all they want, but it's not, right? Right. I think we've shown over the last 15 hours, we're not spending a dang thing here, <laughs> okay? What I'm trying to do is say it in a way where we're letting you know we're not giving you the talking points and giving you the concerns, but also telling you to be open-minded. And I'm not saying anything today about Jared Parker, Ryan, that I have not said in the past. Sure. That's the other point. If I was telling you something that, that didn't go along with what I have said in the past, then I could say, hey, man, 
um, you're spinning it because you didn't say that when he was hired. You didn't say that a week ago. You didn't say that two weeks ago. You know, you weren't praising the job he did coaching during the season. Well, yeah, I was. We've talked about that a lot. The job he did with Michael Mayer to push and challenge Michael Mayer to become a better player. That said a lot to me. And what we've heard from the players is encouraging. So the reality is, Ryan, the optics, no matter what, the optics are going to be bad until sure. he gets a chance to go out on the field. If that's the move that's made, go out in the field and show something different. That's going to be the key. Well, And, and I think it's okay to be skeptical, but still have sure. an open mind with the whole situation, yeah. right? I mean, because honestly, people that's- should be skeptical right now, Ryan. I mean, they 100%. absolutely should be. I mean, yeah. what are we going to say? Well, no, no, really, this is the guy Freeman wanted on along, but he was terrible. forced to go yeah. over here because they didn't want to support an inside guy, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. That's spin. Yes. That's spin, right? And we're not doing that, Yeah. right? So so I'm sorry, Ryan, I, I, I interrupted you. I just, yeah. I just wanted to make that point, but uh, you're, I think you said it right. Be skeptical. But you can also have an open mind and say, I'm going to let him show me. I'm I'm going to be curious to see what we see from this offense in the spring. And then in the fall, if that's the way they go. And I'm going to hope for the best because I I ultimately want Notre Dame to be really successful. And if Marcus Reen ultimately thinks that Jared Parker is that guy that can do it, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to watch, right? I mean, I'm not going to have no spin at all, right? I have heard nothing but – rave reviews for Jared Parker as an offensive mind. I've heard nothing but rave reviews. There's not any data, though, to go on, back on and say, I know for sure that guy's going to be a great offense coordinator. Right. You don't know that. Look what he did look. here. The only data right. we have was not overly impressive, Ryan. 100%. That's the point. So right. there's not there's not going to be any data or resume that it's going to sit – I'm going to sit and look at and say, I know for sure that guy's going to be a great offensive coordinator. I know for sure that Andy Ludwig would have been a really good offensive yes. coordinator. I know that. You know why? Because he's done it. <laughs> I've seen time it. Time and time and time again. Correct. But at some point, Andy Ludwig was also a young coach who didn't have any experience as an offensive coordinator, right? Everybody has to start from at somewhere. Some point. Yeah. Yes. So, and, and what did he do with that job, Ryan? He ended up developing the number one overall pick in the draft sure. in four years, right? In the car? Yeah. yeah. Right. So – Maybe this is the start of Jared Parker being a really good offense coordinator at Notre Dame if he ends up with the job. Maybe that could be. Yeah. Or it or it could end up not working out. I mean, we have to be open that there's possible outcomes. That's the thing yes. that makes people nervous is that there is there is a little bit of risk to the reward, right? Yes. There's a little bit of risk. Yes. It's not a bad thing because there are other hires in the past at other places that were risky that ended up being great. It's happened. So I will have an open mind. I will hope for the best for Jared Parker. Do I think? Do I know for a fact that he's going to be a great offense coordinator? Absolutely not. I have no idea. But I will sit back and I will hope for the best because at the end of the day, I want Notre Dame to be really successful. And if that's Jared Parker that does it, that's great. We'll have nothing but praise to give him if he coaches well. Right. The, the other part of this too, Ryan, to me is one of the things that, that I have heard about Jared Parker. I don't know what a Jared Parker offense is going to look like. But one of the things that we have heard about Jared Parker, and this goes back to from the moment he was hired at Notre Dame, things I'd heard about him. at I've talked to people at Penn State about him. I'm going to try to find the DMs I, I got from people that I from Penn State people about about him when he when he first uh, uh, was was in consideration. So one of the things, Ryan, that that um, that I heard was he is more of a 
we have to be sound first and foremost guy. And I think when you saw that, you saw that this year from the tight end position, even with a stud like Michael Mayer, he was very detail oriented. And we've said this, it was impressive that they were able to get a guy to inherit an all American and then make him better as a fundamentally sound football player. It'd have been very easy to say, Mike, you just go be you. I'm going to worry about these young kids. He didn't do that. He challenged his stud, the best player on the team, to say, hey, we're going to do this. And and so that that backed up some of the things that we were told, Ryan, is about he is much more of a details-oriented guy as opposed to a big scheme guy, which is, again, something that's something we loved about Andy Ludwig. Is he was a fundamentals, do it the right way, pre, you know, be precise, be, you know, details matter, but we're not going to carry a million plays into a game. We're going to run inside outside zone 50 different ways, but it's inside outside zone. Yeah. And our kids are going to know how to run inside outside zone. And those are the things you look at and say, okay, that that's what I believe in. Now, can he do it at a high level? Don't I have no idea. But there's enough evidence where you can at least have a sense of this is a guy that that he has backed up some of the things that we've been we've been told about it. So yeah, I mean, you saw it just at the spring practice that was at last year, right? Where after the practice, the tight ends are all doing a couple release drills and stuff, and Jared's spending a lot of time with Michael Mayer. And not to say, oh, great job, Michael. It's like, no, dude, look, inside hands. It's got to be better. It's got to be a better position. We need to do this rep over again. That wasn't a perfect rep. We need perfect reps. So, again, do I think that Jared Parker's a good coach? Yeah, I do. I think he's a good position coach. I think he's a good coach. Does that mean that he'd be? he's going to be a great offense coordinator? I have no idea. I have no idea. It's a wait-and-see type of hire if that does happen. Will I be – a little skeptical? Sure, because I don't have data. I don't yes. have data to back it up. But will I be open-minded to him being the best possible offense quarter he can be? 100%. Because at the end of the day, just like the coaches want, just like the fans want, I want Notre Dame to be really good. I want to win a national championship. Right. And if Jared Parker's the best guy to get him there, it's great, man. It's wonderful. And I will praise him if he does really well. I will be skeptical of him if he does not do well. Like that's no, Nothing's ever going to change in that regard, right? Yeah. It's like the Tommy Reese thing. I can be open with Tommy Reese to say Tommy has a lot of potential. He's had some good games and also be like, eh, but there's some games that need to be a lot better, right? right. And there were some things that he still needs to be better at. Jared Parker will get the same treatment as that. There'll yep. be some games that I'll probably voice and be like, man, that was a greatly great called game. Love that. And there'll be a couple other games probably that it's like, eh, you need to do better, man. Like that's not good enough, right? That's not the right. standard. So everybody's going to be held to the same standard, which they always should be. And again, open-mindedness is the word today for Jared Parker because he carries a reputation where everyone that's been around him and everyone that's covered him speaks high praise of the guy. And some and everyone has to get their start somewhere. Yeah. We might be at the forefront of him being a really good coordinator on the college level, or we might not be. But either way, we got to keep an open mind to see what the results come. Yeah, here's here's something that was said, Ryan. Here's the from the Penn State guy. This is back when Jared Parker was hired. Uh, this is what he said. He said uh, Parker was a one and done at Penn State, though he did have a good impact on KJ Hamler and Jahan Dotson. When Hamler announced for the draft in 2019, this is after one year working with him. He said he called Parker, and this is a quote from the guy: "My biggest mentor and father figure away from home. 
I remember Hamler initially being unsure about the change, but before the 2019 season, he said, we're in a good spot here. He's been really involved in interacting in our lives. Right. So, I mean, you see some of those things and that's just the reality of it. So, um, but at the end of the day, it's going to be show me mode, right? It's, it's going to be show me mode with Alex Atkins. It's going to be show me mode with Jason Candle. It's going to be show me mode with Sean Lewis. It's going to be show me mode with whoever they bring in Matt, Jared Parker, because at the end of the day, the way that they went about this process is going to taint whatever hire they make. And as you said, we'll be honest and fair for whoever it is. But the reality is the process was screwed up. And it amazes me how often Notre Dame gets this wrong. You know, Jack Swarbrick's done some great things outside of the program for Notre Dame. The, 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 you know, the, the, putting off the super conferences and the playoff deal and all those kind of things. But he's also had some major unforced errors when it comes to things like this, the stuff about Tommy Reese last year, unnecessary unforced error. Right. And so to me, he's put whoever gets hired in a really bad spot perception wise. And there's going to be nine, seven months, right. Seven and a half months before they play a game where there's not going to be a dang thing that coach can do to silence that. You just sure. can't. It's going to have to come down to once they kick off, what is it, August 26th, right? He's yep. The product's going to have to speak for itself. We'll get a little glimpse in the spring, but it's the spring. You know, uh, we're. I want to see the changes that whoever comes in makes. I want to see it. I, I just here's, the, here's what I want from Marcus Freeman. Go get me a guy that knows how to teach. This is that's one thing I loved about Andy Ludwig Bryant. He's a teacher. He was about details and precision. And yeah, we could run a million plays. And I can show you all how smart I am, but my kids can't learn that many plays. So right. we're going to run those plays 15 different ways. And that's something that's up their alley. That's what I loved about Andy Ludwig. Find me a guy like that. And I believe that's what Marcus Freeman wants. He wants someone that's going to instill toughness, discipline, doing things the right way, and then say, "Yeah, but then we'll get this then we'll get to scheme." And, you know, that's kind of where I'm at on this one. So we'll see how it all plays out. We'll see how it always plays out. But that's the can that's that's guys that we would look at, Ryan, and some guys that we know we know candles in the conversation. I do believe Sean Lewis is still in the conversation, although I just don't think that's the direction that Notre Dame is going to go. Uh, I Parker has been in this conversation from the very very beginning. I don't see Notre Dame kind of revisiting Moorhead. I don't think that ever really went anywhere. Uh, I, I don't, I just don't see that being the fit. Uh, and I think uh, not, not that it would not that it's a big deal, but I think they just signed him to a contract extension too, Joe which Carter all that does is really change so, the buyout terms. It just 100%. gives them more protection. If they, you know, I think candle also did something recently, Yeah, but it, all that does is give them a bigger buyout to protect him. If, if a guy leaves is all that that does, which if I'm every if I'm every team in the country that's currently got a guy that you may think another name's going to go after, it's the first thing I'm doing is no, you're negotiating the contract, you know. And so those are the things that I look at and I say, you know, we're going to see where this is going to go. But there's no there. I don't know if there's a hire they can make, Ryan, that's going to just wipe this slate clean. It's going from from now until the season starts. Yeah, that's the reality of it. They're going to have to go prove it. Because even even if Notre Dame does make a really good hire, right? Like, I mean, it, let, let's say they get Alex Atkins, for instance, right? A guy that just averaged nice numbers last year for Florida State, comes with a good reputation, all that great stuff. He's still going to be a second option, right? Like, at the end of the day, right? I mean, 
we knew who Notre Dame's guy was. And we knew that right. the administration did not back them up to get their guy. So whoever the old guy is, ultimately, they were not the first option here. They right. weren't. So, yeah, there's Notre no way Dame to spin it otherwise. One. There's yeah, no way to spin it one. otherwise. I mean, there, yeah. there just isn't. And so, but that doesn't mean that this is what we said at the beginning, but that doesn't mean Marcus Freeman can't still go get a really good offensive coordinator. And that's what he's going to have to do. He can't change what the administration has done to him. He can't. It's just, okay, let's, let's power forward. And so to me, that's what, what I'm trying to get from Notre Dame fans is to say, um, when, when you look at this, and I'm just, yeah, not dealing with people today. The thing for me, Ryan, is you have to be able to separate this. The Again, we, I'll say it again. You have to be able to separate the process from the coach that gets hired. And we can sit here and say it was botched, and they did not get their top guy. And if you hear us saying this is really who they wanted at the beginning, then you can tell us we're spinning it, Okay then you can tell me I'm spinning it. But to say that it's spin to praise another coach who may also be considered is childish. And I don't have time for that. We have, we have, how many hours have we spent roasting Notre Dame for this process? So you then want me to double down on and say, well, not only am I going to do that, but now I'm going to be real petty and childish and just say, no matter who they hire, it's a bad hire. That's ridiculous. I'm sure there's other channels that will do that. You can go watch them and go enjoy that nonsense. But Marcus Freeman task now is go get a good football coach. And then don't try to, don't try to put lipstick on that pig and tell me that's who you wanted from the beginning. Don't do that. Just say, I feel like I got a coach that we can go win a championship with. And that's what you do. Because as we've said, there isn't just one coach that they can win a championship with. It's not Andy Ludwig or bust. Andy Lug was the best hire they could have made, in my opinion. Sure. Been very, I didn't say that at first because I wanted to let the process play out. But you and I were very clear once it started going that direction, like this is the one we were hoping for. And now that he's not the coach, that doesn't change. Well, we were just saying that to support the program. No, that's who we, Ryan and I wanted from day one. It's great. And and you're not going to get that guy. But that doesn't mean whoever you hire isn't going to be a good football coach. And that's the task that Marcus Freeman has. I don't know if it's gonna if he's gonna get that, honestly, Ryan, but that's what he needs to do. Someone that yeah. is organized, someone that's detailed, someone that's a teacher, someone that, that can work well with other the other coaches, and someone who can get this group going where it needs to get to. Because that's the missed opportunity they had with him. And so I just it's frustrating, man, because it's just like I'm tired of being here with Notre Dame, Ryan. That's where I just get the point. I'm just tired of having this conversation about Notre Dame, you know, mm-hmm. and and not supporting the program the way they need to. And then the spin that comes afterwards, and it's just it, you get so tired of it. And that's why I can't stand when people try to accuse us of spinning is because this is there's a lot of things you could accuse me of. That ain't it. Right. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, but there's I mean, like good coaches a, out there, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, like I'm a jerk, right? But I'm a very sure. honest jerk. I don't really sure. spit anything at all sure. <laughs> for being completely transparent, sure. right? I think sure. it's just funny. Sure. But I mean, so, to your point, Brian, like, I mean, everybody wants the best for the program, right? And I mean, we'll be fully transparent. What happened last night is not what's best for the program no, for many different reasons. It's awful. 
It's a joke. I mean, yeah. it's just it, a, a program that that a, a, an institution that that views itself as as elite as Notre Dame does shouldn't continue to make these unforced errors, yeah. right? Like if everything that was reported last year about Tommy Reese is true, which is what what were the things we were told? Well, he he was if if he doesn't stay, they don't hire Marcus Freeman is the main one, right? <laughs> keeping Tom Reese on, on, and I'm like, then why didn't they make Tom Reese the head coach? This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Right. Yeah. And, and the fact that they kind of let that kind of get out there and that, you know, it, but this, the optics of hiring him first yeah, and, and kind of going out there and saying, Hey, you know, we're going to hire him first and, and do this big reveal and then let all that stuff happen. But you basically neutered your head football coach and that relationship. You made it impossible for them to start off on a good place. And you made it very hard for the players on the offensive side of the ball to be able to buy into, yes, this is the guy that's in charge of everything. Right. When it's being reported, well, Tom Reese has full autonomy on offense, as if like Marcus Freeman wasn't the reason for that. I mean, he did the same thing to Al Golden. You know, then you find out that, you know, well, well Jack really liked Al Golden. So, so did he force both coordinators' hires on Marcus Freeman? Is that really what Jack Swarbrick's doing? He's trying to micromanage who Marcus Freeman can and can't hire? You know, if that's the case, then then they're not going to win the way they need to win. That's the reality of it. And if and if that's happening to Marcus Freeman, he does need to get out because he's going to he's going to he's it just can't be that way. And and so he needs to say, look, you're the head coach. Tell me what you need. Yep. And I'm going to go do it. That's how Pat Boland was. I've said this before. That's one of the reasons I loved Pat Boland as an owner. He'd go to the hey, tell me what you need. I'll go get it for you. Right. You need better facility. Let's let's do it. I'll go. I'll go raise the money. We'll build another new facility. You need this coach. You know, hey Elway, you you want a coach that's going to throw the ball? Okay, we'll bring in Wade Phillips and Jim Fossil. Cool, we got you. Go for first four thousand yard of your year. That's what he did. That's what good. That's what good leaders do in a situation like you're not a football guy. Jack Swarbrick's not a freaking football guy. He's a lawyer. Hire the football people that you think are competent, and it's not your AD for football and Ron Paulus either. Okay, I'm sorry. Just because he played football doesn't mean he knows football at this level. I'm sorry. He doesn't. He proved that when he was an assistant coach, with all due respect. Okay. But the reality is, Ryan, you hired Marcus Freeman to do a, do a job. Your your role now should be, what do you need? Now, sometimes you may say, hey, bro, that's not it. Coach, I need a new stadium. Or Jack, I need a new stadium. Uh, that ain't happening. You know, Jack, I need to pay $10 million to hire a new defensive coordinator, uh, that ain't happening, right? There, there are limits to that, right? So, but this is not one of those things that shouldn't have happened. And until he supports his football coach, it's just going to continue to happen. And this is what's going to hang the cloud that's going to hang over the head of whoever they hire, whoever they hire, no matter what kind of name the guy is, big name or not big name, not a big name, Ryan. That's the cloud that's going to hang over their head. And because people, all they can do is win. People dislike Notre Dame, man. They do. They dislike. I mean, Brian. I again. I go back to poverty program. Big. They need Big Ten money. One of my buddies texted me and was like, "Oh, Cliff Kingsbury on deck." Like, come on, man. That stuff out of my face. Like, it's just. Yeah. This isn't what Notre Dame is supposed to be. Like, it's just not what they're supposed to be, right? And yep. at some point, there needs to be backing and understanding from all sides of the coin, and and ultimately. This thing was a done. It was a done deal for Notre Dame fans 
the minute they saw Andy Ludwig at the hockey game. It was a done deal. There's no coming back from that, man. You boggled it. You, you, you fumbled it. It's bad. You need to come back, man, and you need to get on a better foot here, or else you're going to waste – Right. Marcus Freeman's upside. You're gonna waste his potential. When you bring a coach in, Ryan, you for a formal interview, you got to know that you can meet the salary demands and the buyout demands. You may not hire him because the fit's not right. That's what happened with Colin Klein. The fit wasn't right. Sure, you know it just it didn't go well, and so that's why even though they really liked him coming in, it, he wasn't the guy coming out. It didn't go well, but they knew they could afford it. Right, the fact that they didn't get this right. Is is and, and that's not on Marcus Freeman. That's on Ron Paulus. That's on Jack Swarbrick to make sure that they got that information correctly. And until they can get that stuff, I mean, look, tell your coach, ask your coach what he needs, and then go freaking get it for him. You know, and 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 um, yeah, it's uh, it's a frustrating thing, Ryan. And, and and that's the unfortunate thing is I have a I have faith that Marcus Freeman is going to hire a good football coach. Why do I have that faith? Because he's pretty much done that so far. Al Golden hasn't worked out. I liked the hire. It was a, it was a bold hire. It hasn't worked out so far, but it was a bold hire. He he swung for the fences, and that's going to happen. Happens to Nick Saban, happened to Urban Meyer. You know, you, you take chances, and then sometimes it doesn't work out, right? But he's 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 been bold so far. You're getting Dean McCullough, that was big. Getting Harry Easton, that was big. You know, taking a chance on chance. It's like you you took a chance a little bit on Al Golden, get, but and it didn't work out. But you took a chance on Chancey Stuckey, and it's worked out wonderfully so far. Yeah. You know, and so to me, it's it's one of those things where I have faith that he's going to to still continue to shoot for the what he feels is best for this team. And the problem is, is that that person's now going to be working under a cloud until he gets a chance to show what he can do or not. And that's where we're going to be at. And if and if it if the new coach he hires doesn't perform well, you think the administration is going to say, "Hey, that's our bad, Marcus." No, they're going to blame him for it, one hundred percent. And that's why it's important that he makes this hire that he believes is the right hire. And whether to work out or not, we'll we'll see, we'll see. So, uh, and somebody asked, did did um, Golden leave? It didn't work out after one year. It didn't work after one year because that's all we have so far is one year. I can't evaluate the job he's going to do in year two because he hasn't gotten to year two yet. This is still, he's only had one season to coach. So it didn't work out after a year may work out better down the road, but after one year, that's all he's coached. So you can't go past one year because he's only coached for one year. So anyway, Ryan, that's kind of where we're at with all this. We do have some, some mailbag stuff that I want to get to here. We did have some more. I know you went through a bunch of those earlier. Ryan, yep. so I'll, I'll bring some more of these up. But before we get to the mailbag part, folks, I do want to hit, please hit that like button. Please hit, hit the subscribe button. Hit the not- notification bell. Share this podcast. If you're listening via podcast app, please give us a five-star review. We would greatly, greatly appreciate that. And um, make sure you check out the CFB Nation podcast as well. So we're going to go into the mailbag next. But, but again, folks, do us a favor. Hit that like button. Appreciate you very much for that.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.